Hello, and welcome to a very special, very mournful episode of the Slot Plus segment of the Slate Culture Gap Fest. Can you have an episode of a segment? Let's say yes for our purposes today. <laughs> uh, as listeners to our show know, we are sending off Anne Hepperman, our beloved producer, two P's, two N's, as I like to think of her. Two E's as well. It's very excessive. The E's are more intuitive. <laughs> right. Um, but I, that's like my little mantra as I would type your name in, two P's, two N's. Mm-hmm. Um uh, who is going off to pursue other audio pursuits. And Anne, in fact, this has come up, I think, from time to time on the show, but Anne is like a mover and a shaker and possibly like an agitator and an ambulator and all kinds of other active verbs in the world of audio fiction. So while mm-hmm. she has brought us to, uh, if not the heights, at least higher heights than we would otherwise have been at of audio chit-chat and criticism – uh, she's also got a finger in a whole other game. So, Anne, tell us and our listeners a little bit about your other audio self. Oh, yeah, yeah. Here, wait. Should I take off, like, my – here, wait. Let me change real quick. <laughs> I don't know. I was going to, like, try to do some kind of, like, sonic thing, but then I would actually, like, have to take off my clothes, and I'm not willing to do that. We've known um, each other well, but not that well. <laughs> not that well. Yeah, no. I uh, – well, my other hat that I wear – I mean, I've worn a number of different audio hats, like, over the years, but one of the hats that I've been significantly putting more and more on my head is uh, I run something that I I started called the Sarah Awards, which is an initiative to revolutionize radio drama for the 21st century. Like, you know, no, no, not being hyperbolic or anything like that. I like the idea of revolutionizing things, especially radio drama. Well, I mean, in a way, radio has been revived by podcasting. So why not bring back the venerable genre of radio drama? Yeah. And so I can give you kind of like the... um, heartwarming could be possibly boring story of how it all came to be which involves like me and my students and them me being like a crestfallen teacher like feeling like I was not um, helping to further the dreams of my students at Sarah Lawrence College and that's how the whole thing came to be Um, I can give you the brief tell us the story yeah, so wait, let me produce you. <laughs> Don't tell us you could give us the story. Tell us the story, Anne. <laughs> okay, okay. So uh, I teach at Sarah Lawrence College, and uh, in 2011, I was teaching just like a general writing for radio class, a general overview class. And Sarah Lawrence is this place that is extremely. Um, Liberal, experimental, like Meredith Monk went there, Yoko Ono uh, dropped out of there. Um, a lot of like really great people like went and or dropped out of <laughs> Sarah Lawrence College. And uh, so I always let my students do a fiction or nonfiction piece. And the fiction pieces that they created just – they just – they blew me away. Like they were their own voices. They weren't like trying to sound like – Ira. They weren't trying to sound like Jad. They weren't trying to sound like Julia Turner or Steve Metcalf or Dana Stevens. I mean, they were just, they were themselves because they didn't even know what it was supposed to be. Like they had no idea what radio drama, radio fiction was supposed to sound like. And so with my nonfiction students, with their final projects, I would always be like, oh, you know, you can pitch it to This American Life. You can pitch it to Radio Lab. You can pitch it to Marketplace. You can pitch it to all these shows. Like, that's great. And with my fiction students, I'd be like, 
ah, you can send it to your mom. Like, <laughs> it'll be a great sonic Christmas gift, you know, or like move to London and see if you can get your foot in the door, you know, or something because like that. Because the BBC does more audio fiction. Yeah, they, they've had like a continued tradition, you know, of it. Um, so, but yeah, and I just, you know, as a teacher, like I was totally crestfallen. It felt like they were making pieces that like had no home. So I decided that I wanted to make a place for them that would have a home. So I had this idea, which was to make an award and a podcast and all this other kinds of stuff. And I went to Sarah Lawrence and they said, that sounds great. And so it took a couple of years to fund it. And in the meantime, like two big things happened. You had cereal, which happened. So that exploded everything. And then Welcome to Night Vale happened. And so people were convinced that like – you know, before I feel like before Welcome to Night Vale, people like the, the gatekeepers were like, nobody wants to listen to radio drama. Like, that's old. That's 1940s. Like, hey, they're proper, you know, like come in the door. Yeah. And I think Welcome to Night Vale just kind of proved everybody wrong and proved that there were like people kind of hungry for new ways of telling fictional stories. And so... It's just it's completely like taken off and grown in ways that even I never imagined it could take off. So we've got all kinds of things happening. I mean, we're already doing a website redesign in a year. Like I don't kind of don't want people to go to the website for like another month. because We're going to be launching it, uh, relaunching it at the end of the month. But, you know, Uh, well, when people set their uh, Outlook calendars to remind them to look at your website (laughs) no sooner than a month from now, what website would they be going to? TheSarahAwards.com. TheSarahAwards.com with Mm -hmm. an H. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. So tell us a little bit. I mean, can you play? So so you you had the first Sarah Awards last year, right? Yep. And then you're currently taking submissions for round two. Is that what's happening? No, not yet. What we're going to be doing is um, – so it's it's all kind of like the whole thing is wrapped together. It's both like a podcast fe- featuring fiction where I have my fake Swedish boyfriend. Um, and then it's an award ceremony where we get together in the spring and we give people money and celebrate works from around the world. And then um, it's also like a series of small contests. We're going to be partnering with The Believer magazine for people to make short fictional works, you know, that don't seem kind of intimidating to chew off. And then we're also going to be launching some essays from people about the craft of making radio drama. People like James Urbaniak are going to be writing an essay for us about what does it mean to make radio drama in the 21st century and stuff like that, because there really isn't anything out there. So that's so cool. Okay, wait, tell us more about the podcast piece of it and about your fake Swedish boyfriend and possibly... (laughs) Because this is an audio segment about an audio project, we need to cut to a clip. But tell us for a little bit first what's up. Yeah. So I have a fake Swedish boyfriend. His name is Martin Johnson. That is his actual name. Uh, We met on the streets of New York when he flew over here for a girl, which totally did not work out. And then we meet go all over New York and then we, our little crazy weird love story then ends up introducing all of these fictional pieces so and in the last one martin and i were kind of playing with this idea of like do we want to continue our boyfriend girlfriend like in the in serendipity we are lovers and then we're like well do we want to keep doing that i don't know maybe we're already bored being lovers so in this clip you we uh decide to literally bury 
our relationship and make a sonic time capsule. And we um, we actually recorded ourselves in the woods upstate and buried some stuff. You're listening to Serendipity. There's so many mosquitoes here. I know. Here is the story. Anne and Martin have walked into the forest. We're in the middle of nowhere. It is raining. But it feels like a place for secrets. They have made a time capsule of their relationship. You think anyone will find this? Somebody's going to find it. Eventually. Yeah, yeah, eventually. We just need to dig deep enough. Ah. Uh, what if you could... What if you could capture time? So you should dig a little harder. Fold it gently together. Carry it like it was your child. Like it was the last drop of water. So, the idea... Mm-hmm. And this will bury ourselves for a hundred years. Okay. And someone... And save it for another life. And then someone can pick us up yeah. and hear us. Where are you from? It's such a hard question to answer. Fold it gently. Fragments of life. It's one of the questions that I hate the most. Martin. Where's home? I think I would try to catch the hours in a mason jar. Like the lightning bugs I used to trap on sticky hot summer days when I was a child. Can I have some of your coke? And then time would light up. This is not coke. And then just stop. And light up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And stop. I think we want to freeze time in order to save it. But we're not digging a grave, though. No, no. You know? This is a time capsule. Mm -hmm. Because we both know that slowly, one day, we too are going to stop. I want to put in something nice, though. I want to put in the the sound of the ocean when we were sailing. Mm. And we're completely free. And I want to put our walks in it. Hmm. I think people feel more like home to me than places. Sound of the morning birds in the morning when you wake up in May. Sound of uh, wind. The sound of my grandma's voice. And I said, you're sitting there, and right the next minute you're dead. And other people's <laughs> memories are the only thing that's going to save us. It's so strange with how time can alter feelings and, and change emotions. But it doesn't. my point is that it doesn't take away what you had, you know? That will always be there. The only way that something didn't happen is because you forget. And this way, we're never going to forget. And then the people of 2116 will remember us, too. Hmm. I mean, the saddest thing that you can do is to let go and forget. So, you know, that's just a little intro to a story we're going to (laughs) play. You know, something simple. (laughs) <laughs> so would it be safe to say, I mean, this is how I've heard it from the few episodes I've heard that you guys are the frame. I mean, the frame kind of blends into what it is that you're framing, but you and Martin are kind of the frame story around whatever you're featuring in that episode. Yeah, we do that. And then now we've like been introducing the makers. So there was a at the beginning, you hear the a robot and the robot is part of the piece by um, producers from the Love Me podcast. And then we interview – well, actually, we don't interview the robots who are in the story, then interview the people who created them. And then Martin and I come back and read credits and stuff like that. So essentially the podcast is an <laughs> anthology show highlighting the works of interesting creators of audio fiction. But you have come up with like this incredibly ornate and fictional carapace around which to present the fiction because that's in the keeping of the spirit of things. Yeah. Yeah. And that's we so were, fun. We were bored. So we did <laughs> You know, so Steve, you're really gonna have to consider what it means to throw from one segment to the next. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
<laughs> You've yeah. never tried to bury me in the woods, to my knowledge, <laughs> thus far. <laughs> Although maybe that's what that hike was all about. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's so great. Mm-hmm. And you guys also commissioned Andrea Salenzi, longtime producer of The Gist, who's now cooking up her own new show that launches next week to do a piece for you guys, right? Do you have a clip of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what's great to me about kind of where we are in the 21st century is that you have all these people who have been used to doing documentary work. And so for them, kind of trying to blur the line between um, fact and fiction uh, creates some really interesting results. So Andrea taped her entire 30th birthday and then made a piece around it. And I'm not going to kind of reveal her technique before I play the clip, but let's play the clip and then I'll reveal her technique. After work, Andrea went out with a friend, ordered a salad. It's so funny. I had no idea that you were like even close to 30. Like when I think of someone who's 30, I think of someone who's like kind of got their life together, like, she's living with her boyfriend, I don't know, someone who, like, exercises regularly, like, I think of someone who's, like, at Ann Taylor. Also, you still kind of, like, slump over, like, you're self-conscious a lot, but also maybe you should have, like, plans on the weekend, because whenever I call you on a Saturday night, you say you're cruising the web. So? Either that or you're, like, watching Mad Men. On Don Draper's birthday, his wife threw him a party, sung him a sexy song, and said, Happy birthday, baby. On Andrea's birthday, her boyfriend did not sing. Can you just say, like, just say, like, Happy birthday, you're the best girlfriend ever? (laughs) Um, Best girlfriend ever for me or for the world? It turns out nothing really changes when you turn 30. You don't have to redeem your yoga group bonds. You can still shop in the juniors' departments and keep accidentally saying whatever you're thinking. Your birthday is just a chance to notice time passing before you blink and you're 31. Happy, happy, happy birthday. (laughs) Happy birthday again. Oh, thank you. Happy birthday, okay? I love you. Happy birthday, Andrea. You're the best girlfriend ever. Hi, Andrea. Bye. Yeah, so that, I love that because Andrea's basically Larry David. Like, she, <laughs> what she did was she ended up directing her friends at her dinner party saying, like, I just want you to say mean things about me. <laughs> like, give me a toast like you're toasting me, but. Kind of undermining, undermine, yeah. And then she did the same thing with her boyfriend. So even though she's like using her skills as a documentary producer, she's like directing real life. So she's documenting, but not. I, I yeah, I just loved it. That's so, so cool. It's really yeah. fun to hear Andrea in that mode. Mm-hmm. So besides you and Martin's podcast, Serendipity, that kind of bundles these fiction podcasts, can you talk about other great fiction podcasts that you would recommend? In particular, maybe something that took the honors in the, the Sarah Prizes last year. Yeah. So it's not it's not a podcast. Like it, It's funny. Like Now that we do the Sarah Awards and I see where all the stuff is coming in from the around the world, I keep likening Australia to like the 1984 like gold like Olympics team. Uh, like Australia is just like bringing it like in my in my mind, like they're the country to beat when it comes to contemporary audio fiction. Um, and so the piece that won first place this year was by uh, 
uh, two women, a writer and a producer, um, Rain Collins, who wrote the story, and Leah Redfern, who is the producer who did all the production and the sound design of it. And it's called Almost Flamboyant. And uh, the great thing was is that the two of them had never met. Rain is from Melbourne and Sydney, uh, or and Leah lives in Sydney, but they decided to meet in New York at the Sarah Awards. So at the awards, when they won, they were like, hello, <laughs> we've never met. Uh, so it was a really fantastic moment. But yeah, this piece will we'll play like a short, you know, it's about a minute long uh, clip. Um, it's about a woman who comes across a uh, taxidermied um, flamingo in an alley um, in Melbourne as she's on a smoke break at work. When I finish my shift, the sun is a fireball dropping low over Melbourne. In the stifling heat, the smell of lemongrass and chilli is almost overwhelming. I'm just passing the skip when I remember the flamingo. I stop place my hands on the side and peer over. The flamingo is resting on its back. It's taller than I expected, about five feet, with a shock of hot pink feathers. I stand on tiptoe. The curve of its beak is actually quite elegant, and I turn my head to the side to get a better look. Are you going to fucking help me or just stare? I stumble backwards, my ass on the cobblestones before I know it. I look around the alley, then up at the windows, and it comes again, deep and graveled from inside the skip. Hey, girlie. Do you know what the collective noun is for a group of flamingos? The thing is, I do. I, I really do. Is, is it, it a flamboyance? flamboyance? <coughs> Are you asking me or telling me? Damn, this bird is surly. <laughs> I can see why uh, this world is enchanting you. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why not have a taxidermied flamingo that sounds like Tom Waits? You know? <laughs> I've been waiting <laughs> for not? one my whole life. <laughs> exactly. And, well, thank you so much for lending your talents to us for all of these years and for teaching us all that you've taught us. And uh, I hope uh, I hope we'll, you'll be back in some capacity when there's more audio fiction to discuss and dissect. Uh, you won't. You can't get rid of me. All right. I have, an even, I have an even deeper and darker question for you, Anna. Uh -oh. Are you going to keep listening to this late culture gab fest yeah. after you don't produce it anymore? <laughs> yes. I just don't have to listen to it like three or four times. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe I'll listen to it. Like I'll just, you know, listen to it once and I'll be like, repeat. <laughs> yes, of course. <gasps> You're going to be spending so many fewer hours per week with us, even if you still spend uh, 90 minutes or whatever it usually is. A little like, less. Yeah. No, but thanks. You guys made the job easy. Super, uh, super easy. All right. Well, we love you, Anne. We won't give you any hugs. We okay. just give you uh, audio praise and admiration. Good luck with everything. Slate Plus listeners, thank you for listening to these non-hugs and supporting Slate and the work that we do and for listening to this bonus segment of our podcast. Three of the four of us will be back with you next week.